0: Hello and welcome to episode 16 of Inquisitive on Relay FM. This episode of Inquisitive is brought to you by our friends at lynda.com where you can instantly stream thousands of courses created by industry experts for a free 10-day trial. Visit lynda.com slash Inquisitive and also Campaign Monitor, helping you send beautiful emails and get better results. My name is Mike Hurley. Today I have the absolute pleasure of being joined by Gina Trapani. Hi, Gina. How are you?
1: Hi, I'm doing great. Great to be on the show.
0: Yeah, I'm so happy to have you today. I've, I've got an absolute ton uh, to talk to you about. But before we begin, GM, what do you like to be known for?
1: What do I like to be known for? Whoa, mm-hmm. that's a big question. So we're talking like tombstone one. etching?
0: Whatever, However <laughs> you want to of... take it. I'm, I'm more interested <laughs> in how people take that question than, than the answer that they give.
1: Well, I tell my daughter, who's two years old, when I leave for work in the morning, because she, you know, she kind of wants to know, like, why I'm leaving, uh, that I'm going to work to make money and to make the internet better. So I'll, I'll stick with the second one. I want to make the internet a little bit better. How about that? That's what I'd like to be known for.
0: That's not a small task.
1: It isn't. And it's, a, and it's a g- giant mountain, and I'm just sort of chiseling away a little tiny piece <laughs> in my far corner. Um, but uh you know, if I if I do anything right, that'll be the end result at the end, I think, of my career.
0: Well, I I guess the 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 thinking is like if if everybody tries to chisel away that little piece together, we can maybe do something. So as long as you're doing yeah. your part, you know, and, and trying to encourage others, then you should be making change.
1: I, I hope so. That's what uh you know, that's the the end of the day, like what did I do today, or if I'm feeling um aggravated about not getting something done or your how something went that day. I just kind of go like, did I you know, was there any movement? Uh, and if not, I try to do better the next day.
0: And there's somebody's trying to break in to stop you. Like.
1: <laughs> yes. There is a power saw going on outside my window. I apologize.
0: <laughs> so I guess these days you you are most known or spend most of your time uh on think up. Yes. What is think up?
1: Thinkup is a web app that I've been building for a long time now since 2009 and it's a it's a it's an it's an app that gives you insights about you and your friends on social networks like Twitter and Facebook. Uh, so you go to thinkup.com, up, think you sign in with your Twitter or, or your Facebook account and Thinkup gives you this kind of it's kind of a blog about you, a news feed about you, it tells you when your friends have changed their bio line or what tweets of yours got the biggest response um or who your biggest fans on facebook were this past month um it's basically like analytics but written for human beings not robots
0: so the last time that we spoke you were actually in i think the final week of your original crowdfunding campaign um for ThinkUp. that was a
1: long time ago so that was last fall so fall of 2013, you and I have—I was just saying in pre-show, you and I have been through like have had like three different professional lives since the last time we spoke, and that was only a year
0: ago. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It's uh, there's been a lot of change. So, there sure has. How have, how are things gone? Are you happy with the with the crowdfunding route? Like when you look back at it now, um, did that work out best for you for ThinkUp?
1: You know, I did. I love the crowdfunding campaign. So now ThinkUp has has been funded. Pretty much, almost every single way you could be funded. For for a while, it was just out of my pocket. Uh, then we had a grant from MacArthur and, and AAAS, a grant from uh, from from those organizations to build for government agencies. Then we did the crowdfunding campaign, which is when you and I spoke. Then we closed a, a seed round of venture capital funding, um, and then we created a business where customers like paid us a sc- subscription fee. So I feel like I've you know like every single possible way that we could fund this thing we kind of have. And the crowdfunding campaign was one of my most favorite ways to, to fund development of the app because I like, I really like being beholden to customers. I like that, that users are paying for the app. And with the crowdfunding campaign, I mean, like the app wasn't available at that time. So it was a great show of faith. And, um, it was people who, you know, we're supporting an idea only, and I think that's a tremendous leap for people to make with their, with their money and their credit cards, and I was deeply humbled and like motivated a hundred times more to build something great because I, I, I didn't want to disappoint people who had you know, put out their money before they had seen anything.
0: What lessons do you think that you learned from that? What, did you, what were your biggest things that you took away from having this product that you were trying to get people to buy into sight unseen?
1: you know cr- building a crowdfunding campaign is such a uh, oh it's such an educational experience i mean it's so much of a marketing thing i mean cause, because you have to explain this idea and you have to sell an idea without having a thing to give a person um so it was really interesting you know i think the crowdfunding campaign a lot of people backed because they knew me or they knew anil my co-founder anil dash Um, they backed it because they fell in love with the idea. They backed it because it was kind of, you know, impulse buy, um, you know, it was interesting after the crowdfunding campaign ended, you know, we had people who just never came back and claimed their username, you know, kind of never came and got their reward. They just kind of supported because they wanted to. We definitely had a small percentage of people like that. Um, and it was, so it was a great lesson in marketing for me. I think the biggest, the biggest lesson, the overarching lesson that I've that I've learned with um, with building ThinkUp is is about telling stories, is about communicating, you know, meaning in whether that, that's a data point, a, you know, a data point that, uh, in your personal data that we're trying to create an insight in, in the app, or just explaining what what the app is. Which, by the way, we're <laughs> still working on. We still haven't gotten it down. We, we still a lot of feedback that we get is, "Hey, I don't really understand, you know, what this is." Tell me what I get from this, and and part of that is because the app is kind of in its own category, uh, or, it's, or it's a new category.
0: So, um, as we record this yesterday, Anil wrote a very honest uh, post about how you guys are doing, and I kind of want to talk about that a little bit, and and I'll kind of want to hear it from you as well. So, over the first year of ThinkUp, how how are things developed? How does the service differ? From how it started to where you are now, like, what does ThinkUp give somebody?
1: Well, when the when the project started, it was an open source night and weekend project, and you know, my greatest aspiration, me as an in, you know individual user, was, hey, you know, I want to make Google Analytics, but for Twitter. You know, I just want to make this dashboard with some pretty charts. Everybody likes charts, right? Um, and and I just want to show people statistics about their tweets that they can't get. At that time, this is back in 2009, Twitter didn't give any sort of analytics. Now Twitter analytics is open to everyone. And what Anil helped me helped me kind of do is expand my vision of that and say <clears throat> instead of charts and just numbers that really aren't very meaningful, like how can we assign meaning to those numbers? How can we make these numbers, you know, insightful? Um, you know, how, how can they, they give you a view into your life, into your relationships, into your friends that you can't get, you can't really can't get anywhere else. So the, it started out as an open source project and in this process in the past year, since the crowdfunding campaign, the challenge has been making this a consumer product something that makes people happy and delights them, a regular kind of person who just is really into Twitter or Facebook or participates in these networks, how can this give them a view into what they do with their time online and make them feel better about the time that they spend online? And that was a huge shift, a huge evolution from an open source project that one kind of you know, hacker with some extra time was putting together to build a dashboard into a consumer product that that's really fun, uh, and that, you know, a regular person would want to use.
0: Are you still taking on new users? Uh, how does your user base currently look?
1: We are. So we offer a 14-day free trial. It's a paid service, uh, which was a big decision. This is a decision you have to kind of make when you're building a web app, right? There's there's pretty much two paths. There's build a free service, and you try to bring in as many pos- many users as possible, bring in as many kind of eyeballs as possible, and then sell advertising or make it a a, a subscription service, a pay for service, where, pe- where people pay you, your customers pay you directly, and because it's the web, that is sort of by definition a much smaller user base. Um, so we went with the small business of customers paying us versus you know larger kind of free free service where we're doing running advertising. Both are totally valid business models, um, but I'd worked in advertising based businesses on the web for my, well, basically my entire career, and I wanted to try something different. Um, so because it's a pay service, we offer a free trial now. You go to thinkup.com, you can sign up for the free trial. And we, we get a solid number of signups every day. I mean, you know, anywhere between, you know, 30 and 100 people will sign up for the trial every single day. And then a percentage of those people convert into paying users. It's five bucks a month. So it's basically the cost of, you know, two cups of coffee, uh, a month to, to stay on with the service. And, you know, our, Subscriber conversion rate or our subscriber acquisition rate is, is growing, but it's slow. I mean, we're not bringing on uh, hundreds or thousands of users, uh, paying users per day. And that was a really interesting thing to realize because, you know, we took, we took venture capital funding from some great investors. And, you know, but what, what VCs do is that they, they invest in high growth, Companies that have, you know, user acquisition charts that kind of are hockey stick shaped. You know, they, they look at, you know, that 10x growth, that like geyser like growth. And, and we, and that is not what our user growth chart looks like. Um, so that was a, that was a big reckoning for us because it was like, hmm, maybe the VC route isn't the right one for us. And that's what Anil's post on our blog, blog blog.thinkup.com was about. We published uh, an update kind of on our business. Um, and you know what that meant for us.
0: So, the current user base that you have, um, the current paying user base, are they enough to sustain the business?
1: Not with the number of people that we had. We had a, we had a team of so it was Anil and Anil and I are full time, like co-founder and I are full time. Then we had a team of like uh, four uh, four or five other folks, contractors, like hourly um, uh, contractors, helping us out. And with and and the point and the point was this this year to build out the product with that team, and so um, the current our current subscriber uh, numbers aren't enough to support that that the entire team. So we and this is what our post was about our, our blog post yesterday. We had to let go of um, several people on the team, which was extremely difficult, extremely difficult decision because um, they're extremely talented and very productive folks, um, but. It was this reckoning of like, hey, we're growing at the at the rate of a small business versus a Snapchat or a Facebook, um, so we've got to dial things back down and run as lean as possible from here on in, and get ourselves to the place where we are s- sustainable, uh, and then maybe grow our you know employee base from there.
0: When you look at um, thinking about if if you kind of look at the the where the business is at the moment, mm-hmm. there's like a fear of like a vicious circle, right? You need to bring more people in, so you need more features and you need people to make new features. And yep. if the users aren't there and you've had to let people go, are you concerned about the, the roadmap of the product at the moment?
1: Well, I don't know if the formula is more features equals more people. Right. Um, I think I think that telling the story of what the app is and getting the word out about the app, is also is a big part of that like we we've done some some marketing and promotion that have been really successful in bringing people in we we ran an ad on um uh, we did a sponsored post on daring fireball for example which brought in which you know brought in tons and tons of users and it was interesting you know john john grouper he you know in his post about it about ThinkUp, he said you know i heard about this analytics thing i rolled my eyes because most social media analytics are awful but it turns out ThinkUp's pretty good and for him to say that, that was very, um, it was very validating for us. And it gave permission to this huge community of people who would roll their eyes at the idea of doing anything that's, you know, as, you know, like SEO-ish <laughs> as a social media analytics. Because, you know, I think people have a bad taste in their mouth from the idea of social media analytics, like the clouts and the, you know, various dashboards. And, you know, that's for brands. That's for people just trying to, you know, sell stuff or or take over your timeline, you know. That's for evil people, and that's not that's not what ThinkUp's about. But I think that there's a sort of built-in bias. So I think one of the things we can do is tell our story a bit better and explain what we are a little bit better. And I think that will go a long way in getting in getting new customers in um, versus you know just build, building out features. But you know, marketing is hard. Marketing is hard, yeah. and Anil wrote about that at length in, in the in the in our blog post.
0: So. Do you think that with where you are right now, um, you you have the, the right team in place? Do you think that in the future you would want to grow the team again?
1: You know, yeah, I think right now, Anil and I are both completely capable of doing everything that we need to do in order to run the company. Um you know, with the exception of, you know, we have one kind of operations person who's on call that if the server is completely, <laughs> you know, just, just, just die in the middle of the night that that we can page, right? But, but everything else we we can do. But, you know, there's only so many hours in the day, right? And we want to be able to push out new insights and, and produce new insights, um, you know, at the same rate that we were when we had several people. I don't know that we're going to be able to do that. I mean, we may slow down in terms of, Number of features going out, but I think that um, in terms of getting getting the word out and telling the right stories and um, kind of hooking people in with what ThinkUp is, like right now it's December, it's December third, and you know the the end of the year is the time when people start to look back at their year. Y- you're inevitably in the next week or two going to see Facebook do their you know your year end you know special video. <laughs> Best of 2014 and Twitter will probably do. I don't think Visify is around anymore, but Visify used to do a, you know, year in review kind of thing. And ThinkUp is doing a year in review right now. So every day we have kind of like, we're calling it the Advent calendar, although as a, as someone who was raised Catholic, I, I, I object a little bit to that. But <laughs> every day it's a new insight kind of gets unlocked in your, in your stream. And I think, um, a lot of people are saying like, oh, this is really cool. Because I think when you have a year's worth of data, it gives you this perspective of like, oh yeah, back in March, I was really fired up about this issue and I tweeted about it a bunch, huh? Like that's, that's an interesting insight in like where my head is at and where I've been in 2014.
0: I've been enjoying mine, uh, my 2014 uh, results. And it's, um, it's interesting because everything is, is focused so far uh Around me leaving Five by Five and starting Relay, like that's mm-hmm. what my popular tweets were about. Like it was, it's funny. Uh-huh. It's just like two two days, a bunch of tweets on two days were like the most favorited, uh, and the days where I gave the most thank yous or most faves. They're they're all the same days. It's just very interesting to see that 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 was definitely what people were excited about, which is Did nice you, to look back at.
1: I mean, it is. I mean, that was a tremendous, like, transition and movement for you. Do do you feel like that, like, when you look back in 2014, you know, three years from now, are you going to be like, yeah, 2014 is the year that I, you know, left by 5 by 5 and I launched Relay and I started off, you know, doing my own thing, you know, having all this new experience? Like, do you feel like that's an accurate sort of picture of what this year is about for you
0: 100 yeah so it's good to see that validated it's it's, <laughs> the, so it's one of the most important things i've done in the last five years let alone you know the last year so it's, it's nice to see it and it it's nice because it's kind of vindicating especially when you see the most that that is they are the most favorited tweets as well because it's like that's people supporting you you know
1: yeah yeah that's great yeah Your your best of is great it's it's imike.thinkof.com slash 2014 yeah, I've put um, it in the show notes and, so people uh, can
0: can find it as well. Fantastic. Along Very with cool. my actual ThinkUp page, so you can kind of see the type of insights that that you get as a as a ThinkUp user, because that's one Excellent. of the things that I really like is that it's it's public. I like that, you know, mm-hmm. that, or that mm-hmm. my information is public and people can go and see it because it's not like the information is private in the first place. You know, it's all kind of there on on Twitter right. anyway. And it's great. You can kind of go in and see and you can see how people interact and how people interact with them.
1: Um. Yeah, I'm so glad. And, you know, if and if you do want to make it private, you can. There is a there's a setting in in ThinkUp. that doesn't have to be public. But I love seeing um, public inside streams because you really see like the best of people. Um, you know, cause, cause the, the stuff that people gets a big response really kind of floats to the top and shows off. I, I just love, I mean, this is in the sound terrible, but in my, in my spare time, I enjoy just going through our users' public streams and just being, oh yeah, this really was a great tweet. And I go around, you know, favoriting stuff from like two years ago. People will say like, how did you find this tweet? <laughs> I'm like, well, it was in your think up and it was so great. It was, you know, three years later, it's still a funny, you know, funny joke you cracked. Um, so that's a lot of fun.
0: So I want to take a, a very quick break, uh, but I still have loads more think-up stuff that I want to talk to you about. Great. So this episode of Inquisitive is brought to you by lynda.com, an easy and affordable way to help individuals and organizations learn. With lynda.com, you get access to their growing library of hundreds of thousands of high-quality, well-produced video tutorials that can help you learn something new. lynda.com is all about taking your ideas or hobbies, making you helping you learn more about them, turn them into businesses if you want, or helping you perfect some skills that you've always wanted to know. Lynda works directly with experts. They, they work with people that are, are completely knowledgeable in the fields that the videos are about. Sometimes they work with creators of the specific software or hardware products that the videos are about to make sure they have the very ve- best person to help you learn. The courses are broken down into manageable bite-sized chunks. They allow you to jump in and out at your own pace. They also have transcripts that appear with these videos. So once you're watching a video, you can follow along with what's being said, but they're also searchable, allowing you to go back later and find exactly what you're looking for to help refresh your memory about a video that you watched. They have great apps for the iPhone, the iPad and Android so you can learn on the go, and you get unlimited access to all of Linda's courses for just $25 a month. That's access to everything, including courses on maybe you want to learn how to make video games. They have courses on game design with topics ranging from understanding how to use the Unity game engine, how to use SpriteKit to create iOS games, and training on understanding OpenGL. Maybe you want to learn to develop for the web. They have courses on all web languages. They have stuff, you know, courses on HTML, they have courses on CSS. They can help you understand how to build responsive websites and things like that. Lynda have everything. If for some crazy reason you haven't yet tried out or even looked at lynda.com, now is the time as we have a special extended 10-day free trial for listeners of this show. If you go to lynda.com/slash inquisitive, you'll be able to sign up right now. That's l y-n-d a dot com slash inquisitive thank you to linda for their continued support of relay fm so gina how do you feel um about the current product direction at ThinkUp? like do you ever think that you maybe would want to make a tool that was more focused towards business or is the personal stuff or the things that cross those barriers is that the right balance for you
1: i i never wanted to build a, a tool for for brands uh primarily even though you know, a lot of people have told have told me and, and will continue to tell me that that's where the money is. Um I, I think that brands can and many brands do use think up, but I think, I believe that more and more people are getting onto these networks onto Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And more and more people care about what they do there and what their response is like and what their friends are up to and they care about what their data means. Um and I want to build a tool for for those people um, this is a really sort of dangerous place to be because I don't I don't think I don't think that people see this market you know this market isn't as as obvious as you know market for brands for Starbucks or target or whatever to you know to, to measure their social influence and, and of course you, you know you have products like Clout that kind of give people popularity numbers and, and I think there's a community of people who think that that's uh, you know not useful or maybe kind of jerky in some ways. Um, but I think that there's an interest here and a market here for people who really want to do better online. And I think when you look at something like Gamergate, um, which went on this year, and the amount of harassment that goes on online, and the amount of negativity negativity and har- harassment and just crap that can go on on these networks, I think it, it that those types of situations in- make people inspire people to want to do better and to say more positive words and to help protect their friends and support people who are doing uh, good work online. And that's that's who I want to build ThinkUp for.
0: So this is a kind of left-field question, but it's, I've just been thinking about it because, you know, you're mentioning about uh, some of the bad and weird things that, that can happen um, on social networks. Do you think or does ThinkUp have the capability to spot trends like that to kind of, you know, or would you ever want it to, to kind of be like, hey, buddy, you're kind of being a bit of a jerk here?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's, we do, we do have the capability just to some degree and we have a couple of insights that touch on it a little bit. Like we've got this one insight and it actually is probably the one of our most talked about insights, which is how often you've, you've dropped an F-bomb online, like how many times you've heard. Uh And, um, people really react to, to that one. Um, for obvious reasons, um, but it is, and, it, and it's one actually. This is an insight that I really struggle with as the mom of a two-year-old. You know, that's not a word that I use in front of my daughter, right? And and it's a word that I generally don't use online. And and the way that we originally sort of wrote the copy it was like "f yeah," like "way to go," you know, like Facebook users curse knowledgeably. We were kind of very encouraging. And, you know, I ha- we had this, like, very heated internal debate with my team where I was like, should we be co- congratulating people for using this word? Like, I you know, I, I don't want to pass judgment every time. You know, I don't want to be finger waggy about it. But maybe we should have a couple of different um, versions of the copy. You know, maybe one that's neutral, maybe one that's congratulatory, and maybe one that's like, man, what are you doing? Um, one of the challenges with taking people's data and drawing some a conclusion from it is that you don't, you don't know. You don't know in what context. It's very difficult without some, you know, very advanced sort of natural language processing going on. Uh, you know, what context words were used. Um, we have one insight that will let you know, like, if you haven't replied to a friend of yours in over a year. And, you know, the insight was like, oh, you have, you know, for instance, which you might get an insight if you hadn't at replied to me on Twitter for a year. I might say, hey, Mike, you know, you haven't, you know, you haven't said anything to Gina in over a year. What does that mean? Does that mean that we fell out of touch and it was all innocent? We're just acquaintances, and you want to get back in touch? Does it mean I died? Does it mean that we had a horrible nasty breakup? You know, like we we I don't, we don't know. Uh so we kind of have to <laughs> we kind of have to walk this line of like, hey, you know, sometimes it's good to have some time to reflect. That that's the that's a very sort of neutral just hey, just noting this. So, detecting whether or not somebody's being a jerk online is is hard, but there are other things to do like have you heard of Randy Harper's? Um, uh, I think it's called the GamerGate Auto Blocker. It's basically a way to share block lists yep. uh, with your friends. So, so if you've blocked somebody, and that that's something that we've been talking about internally a lot with think Up, but like is like if I if I can see that ten of my friends have blocked someone, uh, and let, let me know that, then you know then I can block that person as well, or maybe I can watch their tweets and report them. Twitter just um, released the ability to report a harassing tweet for someone else on behalf of someone else, which was not possible before. The person, the, the target of the harassment had to be the one to file the report. Um, but now if I see someone harassing you, I can let Twitter know, uh, which I'm really happy about because yeah. like in real life at the playground, if you see somebody bullying someone else, you can step in and do something, right? But you couldn't, you couldn't on Twitter before this change, which I think just well, yeah, went out this week.
0: taught to do that as a kid. Right, to stand yeah. up for people.
1: Yeah, you stand up, right, you stand up and you do something, right? Like, that's what you're supposed to do. So this was so bizarre that you couldn't do that. Like, I could see friends of mine getting harassed and, you know, I couldn't do anything. But now you can. So, um, that's something I would love to see ThinkUp help with. Uh, help people, empower people to help each other by exposing data like block lists, uh, which is available via the Twitter API, but not really visible on the, on the Twitter website.
0: I guess the interesting thing, like, is that you have at your disposal a lot of in- incredibly interesting data and a system mm-hmm. that's powerful enough to do something with it. But it does lack context in some instances that you you can never really yeah. get. You know, like you were saying about the idea: if you haven't spoken to this person for a year, like you have no idea why, and like then an insight like that could end up being more damaging than than helpful. And it's yes. it's interesting because it is. It's like that's so powerful, but it's. At the end of the day, it's a computer that doesn't understand emotion. Still, so it's like you, yeah. you, you can't know. So it's like, what do you do with it?
1: Yeah, I mean, writing writing copy, and this is part of the reason why. Like this app, I love building this app so much um, and, and it, because it combines writing my two passions, which is coding, coding and writing. But writing writing copy around a data point, uh, or even just writing application copy, is such a challenge. I I make a to do list app, uh, to do text, and in In one of the earlier versions, I had, you know when you add a task, I had like hint text, you know, what would the task look like? And one of the you know one of the sample tasks that I had, and this is totally me just a reflection of my life and something that I never remember to do, I put in the hint text as the sample task, call mom. And you know that that's again, reflective very much of me. And I had a user write me and say, I downloaded your app and I installed it and I started to use it this week, but my mom just passed away. And every time I go to add a task, like, this hurt, this kills me.
0: Oh my, I, yeah. I was wow. just like,
1: I was, oh, I was just, it was this wrenching moment of like the most, like, innocent and simple and I thought universal. But you know, not everybody has a mom to call. Like that's a, <laughs> you know, this is just a, this is just basic kind of empathy here, you know? Uh, and I changed it. I changed it to, I, I, wound up using, you know, crazy, insane, fictional, you know, Renaissance fair type, you know,
0: <laughs> to task. Yeah.
1: Because it was like, this, you know, to, to make it kind of funny. Even that is a sort of cultural touch point, you know, that maybe some people would get and some people wouldn't. But, um, but so that's something that we run up against and think up all the time. It's like, you know, do, do we want to make these assumptions? You know, what kind of cultural assumptions are we making? Uh, you know, who's our target, target audience? At one point, in, in an earlier version I think of, it's not there anymore, but we used to call, we, we used to have a list of users who didn't, or friends of yours who didn't tweet much, um, or didn't tweet in a while. And we called them deadbeats. And a user came to us and said, you know, my friend actually died and I can't bear to unfollow him. But he shows up on this list that you have called deadbeats. Like, what is wrong with you people?
0: <laughs> and I was <laughs> just like,
1: oh god. So, <laughs> so you know, I've, we've made we and I personally have made uh, some some horrible mistakes, and then we've had lots of people say, you know, this just totally made me smile. It made me. I, I can't believe you counted how many times I said the f word. This is hilarious. So, you know, there's been lots of wins and losses in, in that area. But but the writing part of this job is is really really fun and really challenging.
0: So in my previous employment, I worked in a, a marketing department for a, a mm-hmm. company that had millions of customers. And I used to send emails and, and create DM packs for millions of people. And it was quite interesting how sometimes you would be blocked in your mind by thinking about that one person that you could upset. And it was a, a real difficult thing for us as how you would proceed. Like, OK, you're going to write this pack but what if this person's child just died and you're telling them about like a product for children like how do you how do you get over that stumbling block and it was an interesting thing that i had to battle about quite a lot how much do you let that because obviously now you've you've bumped into a lot of these things um how much do you let that play on your mind and, and drive product decisions
1: yeah, I mean, it's a constant challenge because you know you don't want to make your copy so vanilla that it just won't. You know, you want to have personality and voice, and you want to make people smile and make that leap. But you also, you know, you don't you don't want to offend someone or 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 it touch. You, you want to make people feel good, right? Like the goal of ThinkUp is to make people feel really good. And in fact, this is something in my engineer mind I've really had to get over. Like we're doing these best of you know your year twenty fourteen, right? Um, but for people who just sign up for Think Up now due to API limitations or just the limitations of our crawler, and if someone you know tweets or posts a lot like thousands of time thousands of times over the course of a year, which is there's nothing wrong with it, but th- there are times when we can't get all the data for the entire year. Uh So, you know, we run these like, hey, your best post of 2014. Well, at least since April, you know, we've kind of got this like caveat, like, oh, you know, we've got your data at least since April. And I really struggle with that because I was like, the data is incomplete. This insight is invalid. <laughs> and it's like, no, 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 no. The insight is still valid. Like, this is still sort of a good positive moment. This is still an insight to show. Like, this is still a fact, which is true. We don't have complete data, but this is like the, the shift that I had to make is like, this is about emotion as much as it is, it, is, it is about accuracy. And as long as we're just upfront about what we know and what we have, um, you can still feel good about your best post since April, even if it's not exactly since January. Um, and that's, that's been hard. So I really try to, I try to balance, you know, the goal is to make everybody happy, um, you can't make everybody happy all the time. Like, look, there are times when people get really mad and they say, you know, you got the time zone right on the, you know, it wrong on the insight that says what my best time is. And what if somebody in India reads a tweet that I posted here? That's not my best time. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's OK. It's OK. Uh, you know, we do our best to accommodate and be as true as we can to the data. But it's it's about it's really about the stories and it's about making a story that's worthwhile enough to at least make the person reflect and ponder on it.
0: So what do you think, or what do you want the future of ThinkUp to be? Like what challenges are there left for you guys to, to tackle? Um, and, and where do you want to go? Where do you want the next 12 months to go?
1: Well, we have, um, ThinkUp is an open source pro- project. So all of the sort of tickets are issues. We actually, all of our code is on GitHub and we've got this issue tracker that's literally stuffed, stuffed with ideas that we have for insights that we really want to build. Um, so we've got a couple of years of work just in building new insights or refining, you know, fixing, refining the insights that we already have. I, I want my vision for ThinkUp is that it will tell you right away, like the thing that you didn't know and you didn't know you wanted to know about your your connections uh, online, wherever those may be. Uh, one thing that we um, that I'm really excited to work on in the new year, once we once once the the year end stuff is done, was uh, we're going to hook up Instagram. Uh, so we'll have we'll have you know your best photos and your biggest fans and and some some really great Instagram stats. I'm really excited about that because Instagram's a great network and it'll add a lot more visuals to the ThinkUp stream, which I'm excited about. So in the short term, and I, I tend to be more of a short term thinker, whereas Anil is much more of a long term thinker, uh, which actually works well for us. As a as a team, um, my short term vision is like, man, I just want to knock out. We've got some really great insights on deck, and I want to knock them out. Uh, I want to work on them, or I want to, you know, empower our developer community because it's open source uh, to help us make them.
0: So you mentioned about um, marketing being a problem, and and marketing is just hard anyway. Mm-hmm. But I understand that you guys are in a a situation where you're basically trying to disprove a common feeling amongst yeah. the group that you're trying to tackle uh, so like yes. that to, to target like people th- the people that would actually want your product are the people that think that your product is not what your product is right is that right is it, yes. it sounds complex but i think that's a way of summing it up definitely how do you or what are you doing like what what, what do you think you're going to try to do to, to knock those walls down
1: yeah, I mean, I think it's just I think that that the power of a great product is that the more that you make people happy and delight people and show them something that they didn't know before, the greater your chances that they're going to talk about it and tell their friends about it and then new people are going to try it. I mean, for, for a great deal of our marketing effort is just around like is is around word of mouth. Um, I mean, luckily, like, we do analytics on social networks, which is where word of mouth happens, right? Like, where things go viral. So, word of mouth is a big part of it for us. Um, and some of it is, you know, is partnerships. Like, we, we just launched, you know, we, we've been really wrestling with this idea from, from, from our post about the business, you know, the state of the business. This idea of a small business versus a giant VC funded, you know, enormous bazillion user kind of business. And um we're sort of reckoning and, and dealing with and, and sort of accepting or embracing even our identity as, you know, hey, we're we're a small web concern and we're you know building up a sustainable business and we're doing it slow and steady wins the race and we're doing it um you know like a normal, regular small business gets built. And we got together with a bunch of friends of ours who build similar businesses. Um Matt Howie from Metafilter. And, uh, Andre Torres and Amber from Milkshake and Samuel Clay from Newsblur. And, and we offered, we put together a holiday promotion. We're calling it the Good Web Bundle. It's kind of like, have you heard of Humble Bundle? Yeah. Yeah. There's, it's kind of like a package of apps that all come, come together. Um, so we got together with them. If you go to goodwebbundle.com, uh, it's basically a bundle of independent, web applications that are sort of run by regular folks who've, you know, got families and bills Um, and it's a one-time payment and you get this claim code and it's an annual, it's a, it's a one year uh, membership to each one of the sites. So it's five sites. It's ThinkUp, Metafilter, Newsblur, Milkshake, and The Toast. Great, great new blog. Um, So that's, you know, kind of getting together with those folks and leveraging like those communities. You know, we had a lot of folks at Metafilter say, I'd never, I never tried ThinkUp, but now I will, or we have, you know, ThinkUp users who bought the good web bundle, and then you can gift, uh, you can gift the claim code to that's a friend, smart. so. So that's been really, that's been really fun. That got um, some nice press coverage, and people really liked the idea of like, oh, okay, you know, we got a bunch of kind of small businesses getting together and, and helping one another out, and we've had several um, much bigger, well-funded companies come to us and say, hey, how did we get on this? Uh, which was very validating. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, is, well. I mean, the good thing about this, about the Good Web Bundle, um, is that there are a bunch of companies in here that are really valuable, but I think also suffer from the same problem that you do, which mm-hmm. is it's really hard to get people to understand them.
1: Yep, definitely.
0: Uh, like Metafilter and Milkshake, um, mm-hmm. you know, they're 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 great things that exist and need to exist, but it's hard to get people to understand why they should use them until they've actually started using them. So it's it's I think it's nice to kind of like well, I saw this good web bundle and it seemed like the perfect kind of solution for you, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. I think it's it's nice to have something like that and, and you know, it's branded really well and it and it uh, yeah, I think it's a really good idea. And, and I hope that it is be it's a success for you guys.
1: Yeah, it's done it's done it's done very well and I'm really happy because um kind of we're lifting all the boats, you know, like uh, it, it makes me really happy. As, as purchases come in to see people oh this is someone who like think up but oh, these are all folks from from these other sites uh, who all kind of get to experience the rest so that's really cool I mean these are, these are five communities of people who it's like you know yeah these are these are folks that I, that I really want to try pick up and are the right the right um, user base for us so yeah the good Web bundle was a great idea it was a nails idea um, I think that this is just the kind of um, this was a this was a marketing effort that I think uh, I'm really proud of. And, um, it was really fun to kind of come together with, with these other sites. And, uh, now we support gift codes and that's exciting. <laughs> kind of put a deadline on writing gift code, uh, uh, code. Uh, so, so yeah, I'm pretty happy about it.
0: So I want to actually talk to you about social media a little bit more. Um, But before we do that, I just want to thank our second sponsor for this week's episode. And that is our friends at Campaign Monitor, who make it easy to design, create, send and optimize your email campaigns both quickly and easily. Campaign Monitor features Canvas. Canvas is an easy to use builder for creating beautiful email newsletters that are going to look fantastic everywhere on all kinds of devices. Thousands of campaign monitor customers are using Canvas to totally reinvent what they send. And you can create an email template that matches your brand and style for free at campaignmonitor.com/slash templates. With Canvas, you can create an email in just minutes. It's super easy to use with a drag and drop interface that takes care of all of the stuff that you expect to just work, like automatic image resizing. They have a great uh, layout tools like spacing tools, so you can make your emails look fantastic, and also a perfect typography and all of the colours and, and fonts that you want use to make the template look like it's all yours. Canvas automatically makes sure that your emails look great everywhere with the use of responsive design techniques. The campaign Monitor also have a bunch of other great things that you would want from a company that's going to be sending your emails for you. They have subject line testing, so you can send out a couple of different subject lines in and then automatically the right one's going to win. They have a really cool... Uh, RSS to email function as well. So maybe you have a, a blog or something like that that you want to distribute via an email newsletter as well. You can just plug your RSS feed in and, Cam- and Campaign Monitor will send all of that out for you. These guys are really great at what they do and they're a fantastic supporter of this show and they believe in what uh, we're trying to do at Relay FM. So go and check them out by signing up for a free account right now at CampaignMonitor.com. Thank you so much to Campaign Monitor for supporting this show and Relay FM. So Gina, your business is focused on social media so I assume that you try your best to stay plugged into what's happening and what trends are yeah um, what do you think like if you look at the landscape right now what are the big things that are happening in social media at the moment
1: well the the harassment issue that we talked about earlier gamergate and the the tools around uh, you know stemming that harassment uh, is is Definitely a huge issue. I feel like this is kind of the issue for social media in, in, in 2014. Um, I think that we all got to watch uh, women, especially women, you know, women in game development, you know, have to leave their homes because of death threats. And I think that it created conversations around, you know, are death threats protected speech, you know, what, freedom of speech versus a person's right to feel safe in, in their own home. Um, and, I, and I think it just brings up a lot of a lot of questions and a lot of great points about people who are disenfranchised and, and or, or underrepresented and, you know, what the responsibility is of companies like Twitter and Facebook and the software itself to help um, protect people from from those things. I think that that's a huge trend. And I'm really um, it was it was so difficult to watch to watch, you know, friends of mine or people who have become friends in in the process go through what they've had to go through. I mean, I I watched uh, Anita Sarkeesian spoke at, I was at XOXO this year in Portland and and her talk there was, was amazing. And and watching her, what she has had to go through, I mean, she had to cancel that talk at the university because there were were threats of a shooting. I mean, I I don't know how, I don't know how she gets up and, and does her work every single day. I think she's amazing. Um, but that's a, that's a huge thing going on. And, and seeing Twitter finally sort of respond with solutions that seem like more than just PR management is uh, makes me uh, a little bit optimistic about where
0: we're going. So do you think that this is something that um, social networks have to be working towards, like making their product safer for the users to use?
1: I do I think that it's about making their product safer. I think it's about empowering users to control uh, you know what they see and who can talk to them or, or, or who can access their information um, and I also think it's about empathy uh, there was a great I think it was a times article I'll dig it up uh, about Facebook has this and I think I think the word empathy is actually in their name they've got this team of people who who build tools within Facebook to help people report posts that make them unhappy or make them angry. And, and, you know, they've got this drop down that's like, uh, you know, I don't like this post and, you know, because it's embarrassing or mean, I please, please help, you know, please remove this post. And you click on that and it pre fills this form. That's like, this post, you know, makes me feel bad. Please remove it. And it sends a message to that person. I mean, it's like empowering a user and, and in the Facebook's case especially, it's often young people, people in their teens uh, who are, you know, have to communicate with one another and have to articulate their feelings about something that made them feel bad and ask someone else to take them down, that's a win-win for Facebook because one of their mods doesn't have to jump in and and, and delete the post. You know, if someone is able to say to someone else, hey, stop talking to me like this, or please remove this, oftentimes the other person will do that. Anyway, there, they had this great data where it's like they had the word embarrassing, like you could mark a post as embarrassing. And it got used like Mm -hmm. 30% more often if the, if the word it's was there. So it said, you know, it's embarrassing. Like, so it's like helping people articulate, you know, I I think we've all had the experience where we see something posted online about us, or maybe a picture that's not so flattering or something, a joke uh, that makes us feel bad. And it's like giving, giving somebody the ability to respond to that. in a sort of, you know, in, in, in a, in a helpful way I think is a huge thing because most of the time these things aren't jokes or the, or the person didn't mean to, you know, uh, to to make you feel bad, right? It just happened. So I think I think it's about keeping users safe, but I also think it's about helping people communicate like civil people would communicate if they were standing in a room with one another face-to-face. Doing that online is extremely difficult because we're all just kind of avatars out there, you know?
0: What do you think about like the social networks like Ello, who are trying to decentralize and provide ad-free services. Do you think that there's any kind of merit to that working? I mean, obviously it didn't work for App.net.
1: Yeah, you know, every few years we have the like hot new effort. I mean, it was first, I think it was Diaspora.
0: And oh, app.net. I forgot about that one.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was a few years ago, Diaspora. And then App.net had similar um a similar story, and Elo had a similar story, and you know, it's it, it. I find it so interesting that people are clearly really interested in the idea of a private. You know, sometimes it's about privacy, sometimes it's about decentralization. I mean, Elo wasn't Diaspora was actually federated, right? I mean, that that you, mean, you know, people installed Diaspora on different servers. Uh, Elo was not. Elo was actually a centralized service, but Elo's shtick sch- was. Uh, no ad, uh, was it no ads? So I, so I think it was privacy. So they weren't selling, selling your data, quote yeah. unquote, to advertisers. Um, and app.net was kind of like a, a reaction to the Twitter API limitations where it's like you can do whatever you want with this yeah. network. And, um, and it's, it's fascinating to watch this refrain every few years, right? There's a project that hits on this and people go nuts, right? There's tons of press and it's the hot thing and, and then people kind of poke holes in it, or, you know, I think Diaspora rose, raised the most amount of money any Kickstarter project had raised at that point in time. Um, and, uh, I, I find it fascinating because it's obviously a story, the privacy story, the decentralization story, the, um, the, the lack of sort of top-down control story. It resonates with people and people want it, but they don't want it enough to use these networks long-term, right? Like, there, like none of these networks, Diaspora, App.net, and and Elo, as far as I know, hasn't hasn't gotten the network effect, hasn't moved enough people over <laughs> to them, right? To to use to use, and I think it's for different reasons for each of them. Um, and you know, when we first started building ThinkUp, you know, the question was like, do we want to build a decentralized social network, or do we want to go to where the people are? And the, and the answer was, well, we want to go to where the people are. Um, and the people are on Twitter and Facebook right now, primarily. Um, so, you know, people say to me, Hey, how do you feel about building an app that's on top of an API that's controlled by these tyrants that could just turn you off at any moment in time? And the answer is, it's scary. I sure it's scary. Like, am I scared that Twitter's going to cut us off at some point? Sure um that you know because we don't fall into their right quadrant or whatever huh. I, that's that's frightening uh right but you know we also use amazon payments and to collect money right and like they're shutting that off so like that's you know it's like sort of a, it's a risk that you take on take on when you start a business um you know and a bit in the world of apis anyway uh but i also like want users right and i think you know going to where the people are was it was a really key key decision for us
0: like any web business is these days are uh beholden to something else like for example we have a bunch of people that deliver our content you know whether it's Mm -hmm. overcast pocket casts um itunes that's how people get to our stuff any of those services could cut me off like they could just do that if they wanted to there's nothing to stop them um and you know or they could they could make a big change of some description and so it's like you have to kind of have an element of trust these days and but but then you know, the track record of maybe the companies that you're working with are less trustworthy but by, by the day, potentially.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, the, the choice is like every single thing that we do with, with up depends on, t- you know, we use we use Google services, we use Dropbox, we use AWS, we use Amazon yeah. Payments, we use a Twitter API, we use Google Maps. I mean, you know, like the, we're dependent on a ton of APIs. So like the choice was, was between that, being dependent on APIs, or building all that stuff all that stuff ourselves. And if we had gone that route, well we might we might launch in twenty forty-five, you know.
0: <laughs> so what do you think about like I'm I'm interested in Facebook because if kind of if you look over the last few years, maybe the last ten years or so, all of these big services have been have been bumped away. Um but Facebook seems to have stuck around the longest and it's got bigger and bigger. Can anything ever topple Facebook? Are they too big now, or could there always be a next big thing?
1: That's a good question. I, I do I do think that there can always be you know another next big thing, and and I wonder, you know, it's funny. I mean, I think I think Facebook's doing well and going strong, and you know, you can talk to a hundred different people and get a hundred different opinions about mm-hmm. their Facebook experience or or whether or not they're even on Facebook at all. Um, but I I. I don't accept that Facebook is going to be around in its current form forever and it's just going to be the default way for people to to communicate with one another. I mean, my um, my better half was an administrator at a university for, you know, her career, her entire career, you know, it's been, I don't know, 20 years now. And so she she's kind of has a front row seat to what university students, you know, American university students in certain regions like do. And, and there was a time during her career where, you know, you hear kids on campus, the students on campus say, hey, just Facebook me. Um, you know, they didn't check email. It was one of the challenges of our job. Was like, how do we communicate with the students if they don't check their email? Like, they just didn't check it. They didn't care about email, right? Like they just Facebook one another, and that sort of changed. I don't, I don't. Not everyone. That's not necessarily the case now. I don't know if they're Snapchatting one another or, or Instagramming one another or what they're what they're WhatsApping. I mean, I think that 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 um, that these things change. I think for some groups of people, Facebook is the thing. I mean, I was just talking to my fourteen-year-old niece and. And, uh, you know, somebody said something on Facebook and she said, oh, whatever. The old people took over Facebook.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Cause her I mom, think,
1: her mom's really into it. I and she's what, like, I'm not going to be the, like, yeah, yeah. She's like, I don't want to be the place where my mom is. Um, but you know, again, you know, I think there's plenty of 14 year olds who just got a Facebook account and are like thrilled by the idea. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to tell, but I do think that there can be a, a next big thing, but you know what I'm hoping, I'm hoping that it's like what happened in the music industry. Like I'm fine if there's never another Michael Jackson or Britney Spears, um, I'm fine if there's lots of, you know, uh, successful artists versus, you know, one or two mega successful artists. Like, I, I'd be, I'm, I'm good with that. I mean, I'm troubled by the idea that our networks can't really talk to one another because none of them are federated, because none of them are sort of financially motivated to federate and talk yeah. to one another. Uh, that is a bit troubling. And it is a little bit like, oh, are you on Slack? Are you on WhatsApp? Are you on, you know, where are you so that I can talk to you? But maybe that's just going to be, Part of the reality for the foreseeable future,
0: because I know like there's a lot a lot of people are concerned about Twitter right now because it it just feels by the day more and more inevitable that the API is going to get killed, right? It just feels like it, it's kind of that thing you know it's always going to happen at some point, but every day it seems like it gets five days closer. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that it concerns people quite a lot because Twitter is, like, their place, and it's something that I've been thinking about a lot recently. Mm -hmm. I mean, and so the issue is, like, even if we have all these small networks, it's about where the network is, like, it's where your network is. Like, that was why app.net didn't work, because everybody signed up, but they didn't move. And it requires, and, and also I think for individuals, it requires the movement of everyone, Like everybody has to like just pick up a move, Mm -hmm. and and I think that that's so hard. And I wonder like what what has to happen for something like that to happen? It's it's such an interesting thought, you know.
1: Yep, yep. No, I agree. I mean, I I think what happened, and it's it's hard even really to imagine that everyone's going to pick up and, and transport from one to another. Although. You know, month to month, year to year, my attention uh, across, you know, different networks really kind of changes. And I've definitely been spending more time on Instagram lately and I, you know, I kind of went back to Flickr when, 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 you know, I had a kid and wanted to post pictures someplace that, that were like relatively private and, you know, Flickr is kind of very quiet these days, so it's a nice place to post photos Mm -hmm. quietly. Uh, but there's, I have a few friends who's still really into, into Flickr. Um, you know, Google Plus is, you know, amongst a certain community, believe it or not, people, people actually do, I do a Google podcast and an Android podcast and, and a huge part of my audience is there. So when I'm, when I want to interact with that community, I go to them and they're on Google Plus, um you know when when i when i want to be with my t- you know friends on twitter i go there when i want to see certain family members i go to facebook and sometimes it's just like it just depends on what my priorities are and where my you know where my favorite people are
0: so that's interesting to me that obviously the android community is using google plus right i mean do you think it's cuz they it's baked in for them
1: well i you know it's I wouldn't say it's the Android community. I mean, my, so I do this week in Google and all about Android on, on, on the Twit network. And th- these are like hardcore Google Android lovers and fans. Um, so that these are, these are folks who are just big Google fans. And, and honestly, if you, you know, there's tons of Googlers on Google Plus. These are folks who have really embraced all the tools. Google Plus is so deeply baked into Android, especially if you're, if you're getting kind of a pure Google Android experience. So, so these are, these are enthusiasts, uh, and fans and, and tech, uh, Te- you know, kind of tech nerds. I think, and I think that there are a lot of leaders, kind of in that in that group, and and Googlers themselves who post a lot to those networks. So, so I think it's um, I think it's just about sort of going where you know the Goog- the Google stuff is, and and we use some of the tools like the, the communities uh, in Google Plus are actually. Quite good, and they support things like polls, and so we do a live kind of survey or poll every week on on, on the on the show. So, in order to interact with the hosts, you know, you go to Google Plus and vote on the poll. So, part of it is just you know, it's a self re- it's a you know self reinforcing thing using Google Plus.
0: So, Chris Messina just wrote a, a post on Medium um, about Google Plus and, and talking about you know how he's kind of disappointed that it wasn't the savior from facebook yeah do you think that google have failed do you think they're continuing to work on google plus what's your feeling on that being like tied into both of those communities
1: i gosh i don't i i mean they're still working on it because they did just release polls pretty recently which chris chris noted in in that in that post um i found that post really interesting you know it's hard like i everyone says that no one uses Google+, Plus except for when I'm on, Twi- you know, doing this week in Google or all about Android, when there's tons of people who use Google+. Plus, I mean, I, I don't think that nearly the amount of people who use Facebook or, or Twitter are on Google+, Plus. but I do think that there's, I mean, my Google+, Plus feed is, is, is extremely active. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't go there myself much, unless I'm, you know, interacting with, with our audience for the shows, because it's just kind of not my go-to place, but I think it is a go-to place for a lot of people, and Google+, Plus, there are certain things about Google+, Plus's tools which are really, really nice. Um, you know, polls and being able to moderate your comment streams in a way that you can't with Twitter mentions, for example. Do I think Google's still working on it? I do, although all their public statements don't seem to <laughs> confirm that, which Chris, that's a great post that Chris wrote yeah. on, on Medium. And he worked on Google+, Plus when he was at Google, uh, and he actually said that he contributed to the polls interface, which I was like, wow that took a long time to release <laughs> <laughs> it was like well over a year ago like wow they must have really
0: <laughs> really wanted that to to be nailed down
1: yeah yeah because they, I mean, they
0: didn't think... even have any stage time at io right the last no IO for, no they like, didn't google plus did not ev- like it was like everything else in the company did though so that was quite yeah. telling
1: i think about google plus google plus as a platform which is like Powering the comments on YouTube, commenting, co- powering the comments in the Play Store, Hangouts, photos—like those things—are all things that I use every day. Like if if you if you include those into the Google Plus umbrella, I use Hangouts and photos, and sort of logging in with my Google my Google account um, to things. I mean, you have to log into your Google account just to use any Android device to to begin with. I mean, just like as an identity platform and as a way to communicate, and even just Google Play games. That's that that's all Google Plus as well and I think that's been a very very successful. If you just narrow your definition of Google Plus to just the social network, I think it's it's, you know, I think it's a it's a not very successful 20% project, you know what I mean? But I yeah. think it's all the back-end stuff that matters the most to them.
0: Yeah. So what other projects are you working on at the moment? You mentioned Twig and all about Android. Um are shows that you do on Twitter, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. You know, I um, I'm not actually working on very much else. I've been focusing almost exclusively, really, on ThinkUp. I I do the Twitch shows because I just I just love them, and and they kind of help force me to keep on top of tech news, uh, which which is something that I need I need to be forced to do since I don't do a daily blog anymore. I I uh, it's good for me to kind of check in with the news and keep on top of things. But I've been I've been concentrating almost entirely on ThinkUp because I've I've actually just been trying to reduce the number of things that I've been kind of doing because I wanted to you know kind of give a hundred percent. On ThinkUp, Although there are times when creatively, I think, you know, I just want to work on something else. And occasionally I put in some time on to-do text, which is my, my to-do list app. And that's on uh, Android and iOS. They're native apps on Android and iOS. That's fun. And, you know, i would be kicking around a few little ideas here and there. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm going to work on those or if I'm just going to keep plugging away at ThinkUp. We'll see. But for now, it's mostly just ThinkUp and, uh, and the Twitch shows.
0: twig has been going for over five years, right?
1: It's a really long time.
0: Yeah, yes. like, that's insane. There aren't many. I think of of the, the only shows, really, that have been going for that length of time are on Twit, I think. Because <laughs> really? Leo was there from the start, right? So yes. and the shows that he started, like Twit, like, it's just been, you know, it's been going forever, in, in yeah.
1: essence. He, yeah, it really has, you know, and I think this is something, I really have a deep respect for people who, like, play... The long game, like Gaw- Gawker Media, which owned Lifehacker, and, you know, Lifehackers are still around, and Gawker's still around. I think the company is, like, 12 years old. And that's, you know, and Twit, I think, is, is a similar, you know, is, is, is several years old. And, you know... I think
0: it's coming up to 10, I think Leo said on Twitter this week.
1: Yeah, it's cu- coming up on 10 years old. I mean, that's ancient in internet time. It's really, yeah. it's ancient. But you know, I I really think, and I I believe this, and this is why I I I respect and like Matt Howie so much too with Metafilter, which I which has got to be almost fifteen years old at this point, is like playing a long game. Like I think that success in so many ways is just about showing up every day, and sometimes making hard decisions, and sometimes getting a nice boost or a bounce or or a nice comment from someone, and just keep plugging away, um, and and just you know playing this long game. And this is this is what I want to do with Inkapa. I think, and I think you have to kind of set up a sustainable life and business for yourself in order to do that, right? Because if I love what I do, it doesn't really matter how long it's going to take to be successful because I'm enjoying what I do in the meantime. Um, and that's, that's something I really aspire to because there's some version of myself who's like, I just going to buckle down and not pay myself anything and just not sleep for like three months. And I'm going to like just get all this stuff done and it's going to be awesome. And if it's not awesome by then, then I'm just going to quit. There's something really, there's something really tempting about that. But I'm actually maybe this is some indicator of how old I've gotten. I think I'm gonna go the other way and be like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay myself like enough money that I'm not worried about money, and I'm gonna get enough sleep every night, and I'm gonna have dinner with my family, and I'm gonna work hard and a lot, and sometimes I'm gonna work after she goes to bed at night, and sometimes I'm gonna work on weekends, not all the time, but sometimes. But I'm gonna work really hard. I'm gonna focus. I'm gonna do this for the next five years, five to ten years, and then at the end of that we'll see where we're at. And if I'm, if I'm happy in the meantime, then it's, then it's worth it.
0: Gina, I couldn't have finished that better. You've, you've just wrapped it up perfectly. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's, it's always such a pleasure to talk to you. And, uh, it, cause you are a real, like, uh, just a fantastic person in the community. And it's been so, I'm so happy that ThinkUp is going well. I mean, I'm, I'm sad that it's not, an absolute rip-roaring success and you've got you know millions and millions and millions of users and I, I genuinely <laughs> really hope that that happens for you because I love and use the product a lot um, thank I, you. I, I enjoy Think up I like checking in I maybe look at it like once a week or something you know and I go in uh-huh. and I kind of score through and see what's happening and and I like it and, I, and I'm happy I'm very happy that it exists and I happily give my money to you and I, I want other people to do that too so please oh, tell them you. how they should
1: Thank you, thank you. Well, yeah, I hope if you're listening, you'll go check out ThinkUp, ThinkUp.com. Uh, free trial. You can sign in with your Twitter or your Facebook account. Get a few awesome insights. If you do it during December, you'll get a fantastic year-end review of everything that's gone on in 2014. That I hope will help you sort of think about, you know, how you spent your time and what you've talked to your friends about and what your friends have been up to. Um, uh, yeah, try it out. And then if you like it, it's five bucks a month. Pretty, pretty simple.
0: Or just go buy the good web bundle and get it, get everything. Oh, or, yeah, or, you know. yeah, you
1: get everything. You join five awesome sites for a low price, um, uh, under a hundred bucks, five great sites, and, uh, yeah, that's good, web bu- good webbundle.com. And how Thank how you can so much, people, Mike. This is great. Uh, no, it's a
0: pleasure. How, pe- how can people find you? Where are you?
1: I spend, I think, most of my time probably on Twitter. If you go to twitter.com slash Gina Trapani, it's just my full name. Um, I keep a little nameplate side of, you know, what I've been up to lately at GinaTrapani.org. I, I mostly keep that up to date. Uh, but, uh, yeah, when I'm not tweeting or I'm not talking on Twit, I'm working on ThinkUp, so if you try it out, do let me know what you think. Send any suggestions over if you're a programmer and, and you feel like, contributing to an open source project we absolutely love newbies or folks who have never done that before um, I love being the sort of the gateway open source project uh, for 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 people who kind of want to get into open source but not don't know how to start so yeah just tweet at me or send me an email and and we'll
0: talk if you want to find links to all of that it's at relay.fm slash inquisitive slash 16. My name is Mike Curley. I am at imike on Twitter, I am Y K E. Thanks again to our sponsors for this week, lynda.com and Campaign Monitor. We couldn't do this without them. And thanks again to you, Gina, for being such a fantastic guest. Thank you. And I'll be back next week. Until then, bye-bye.